I want you to take your Bibles while you're standing. Take your Bibles, open up to the New Testament, up to the New Testament, and let's go to let's go to Luke chapter number six. Luke chapter number six, and I want to share a word with you this morning, and probably going to do a little more teaching than I will preaching, and and so just bear with me just a moment. About lost my voice this week. It's it's Jake's fault. He uh. I was at the football game Thursday night, and, and uh, the referee said he hit somebody out of bounds and called a bad play, but Ray Charles could see it. It was right, amen? I'm of the thought that if they're still moving, hit them again, amen? Listen, y'all can smile. It's all right. Your face ain't going to break. It's all right. Some of y'all stayed up way too late last night, amen? amen. Say amen. amen. Come on, say Amen. amen. All right, if you found your place in Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 46, say amen. amen. It says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Let me read that again. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house, and digged deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and could not, what? Could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But... He that heareth and what? Doeth not. Is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. The ruin of that house was great. Father, thank you. For mercy. Thank you for instruction. Thank you for direction and teaching. Now God help us to understand the important part is not the hearing. As, 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 as needy as that is. It's not the coming to Jesus as needy as that is. It's the doing. It's the doing. And God I'll praise you and I'll thank you. And I'll glorify your name. In Jesus holy name. We all pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You made me see them. Most of you know, most of you know, <clears throat> we've been focusing this month on the subject of life groups and how important life groups are. And, and, and we've been doing our best to try to encourage everyone to, to join a life group, find one, and be involved in a life group. And I wanted, to, I wanted to end on a bang. I mean, I really did. I wanted to, I wanted to, to end with a, a grand finale message and, and really, really emphasize, emphasize life groups and the importance and, and what they can do for you and all that good stuff. But God just wouldn't let me. I, he took me to this verse. He took me to this verse, and, 
And, and I, I couldn't shake it, and I, I, I wanted to do something different, but I said, Lord, this don't have, this don't have anything to do with life groups. How is this going to help people with life groups? And, and this is what he said. We know what we need to know. We've done heard all we need to hear when it comes to life groups. We know how important they are. We know that the early church did this. We know uh, that God has, has laid out a plan for us. And, and, and the million-dollar question... The million-dollar question is asked. It's one of the most important questions will ever be asked. And this is not just with life groups. This is in life in general. Now, the color in your Bible, what color was the writing in your Bible? Red. Who's speaking? Jesus. And it says this, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You know, we pray the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we, we call Him our Lord. We call Him our Savior. We, we, we call Him our King. We call Him our Father. And, 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 and there's something to that, that that I want to share with you just a moment. And then I want to, I want to, I want to talk to you about God's plan for Temple Baptist Church. Let me, let me just preach uh, just these points in, 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 a, in a short fashion, in a small fashion, and then speak to you from my heart. Will you allow me to do that this morning? There's three things I want you to see out of these short verses of Scripture, and, 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 and then we'll, we'll, I just want to speak to you a moment from my heart. Number one, if you're taking notes and writing these things down, I want you to see, number one, the inquisition that he demands, the inquisition, the questioning, the line of questioning, the, the information that he wants to know. He is, he is very curious. He is very, he is very inquisitive about something. He is, he is speaking to a, a religious crowd. He is speaking to a people who are supposed to be dedicated. He is, he is speaking to people who are supposed to be committed uh, to the things of God and the, and the law and the Word of God. And, and, and he's got a question that's a million-dollar question. He says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, if I am Lord, and he is Lord. I, I, I heard a foolish statement made by a preacher who says, if, 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 he, if he is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Let me tell you how stupid that is. He is Lord regardless of whether you make him Lord in your life or not. He is Lord. He deserves our submission. He deserves our surrender. He deserves our appreciation. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our worship and our service. He is Lord. But the question is, who is he to us? And Jesus is trying to say this, that actions speak louder than words. It's not necessarily what we say with our mouth. It's what we do with our life. Are y'all with me? We can, you say, what is he asking about first, A and B? I'll write both of them down and then we'll talk about them. He is inquisitive about their declaration. Their declaration, they're claiming Christ. They're claiming Lord, Lord. They're claiming to follow God. And he says, listen, I, I, I put two definitions. I put two definitions in my notes. Lord. The word Lord, the term Lord. It says, one having power and authority over others. One having power and authority over others. A ruler by hereditary right or preeminence to whom service and obedience are due. That's what the word Lord means. So he has authority, he is preeminent, and he is due obedience and service. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. The word command, the word command, 
It means to direct authoritatively. He has commands. These, you know, I heard, I seen a, a, a sticker the other day. It says it's not the ten suggestions, it's the ten commandments. A command is different than a suggestion. Uh, a command is different than a request. A command is to be followed. It is not to be questioned. It is not to be doubted. It is to be followed. Are y'all with me? And I'll come back to that. All right, number two. Number two, we see the inquisition he demands. Number two, I want you to see the invitation. The invitation he delivers. He gives an invitation here in this statement and and, and, in the illustration he describes. uh, We see, he says, whosoever will come to me, whosoever will come to me and hear my words, hear my sayings, hear what I've got to say and doeth them. There's basically three things, but I want to give you two. All right? Two things. Write this underneath, A and B. God invites us to listen to his instructions. Listen to his instructions. I, 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 counsel, I counsel a lot, and, uh, and every, every time I counsel, I try my best not to give my opinion because my opinion doesn't count. My opinion doesn't work. My opinion is just my opinion. But when I can say, in your situation, in your problem, in your issue, this is what the Bible has to say about what you need to do. There's something that changes automatically because all of a sudden now I'm standing with authority. Now I'm standing with power backing my statement. And God is the creator. How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth? How many of y'all believe that at one time in history that God dug down into this old black earth and he formed a body out of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and that body became a living soul? How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe that God is in charge and God knows what needs to happen and God knows what we need to do? He is the creator. He is the architect. He is the designer. And he gave us a set of instructions. How many of y'all men have tried to put a toy together and disregarded the instructions and found out you were supposed to do step B before you did step E? I need a witness. Stupid thing. That's what we say. No, we should have read the directions. No, I'll tell you what, the wife needs to buy something put together. I need a witness right there, man. Well, God made everything. Everything you see and I see, he made everything. And then he gave us a set of directions. This is how to get the optimum, maximum performance out of the item you just bought. Well, guess what? Life God has given us an instruction, instruction book to get the maximum performance out of life. How do you know he wants us to get the maximum performance out of life? Because he said, the thief cometh, John 10, 10, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. These things have I spoken unto you, John 15, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be. I believe God wants us to get the maximum Wide open. He's a full throttle God. Amen. Well, the only way we're going to do that is to follow that. Are y'all with me? Well, preacher, I know the Bible said this, but I feel. Your feelings are irrelevant. Your feelings is why you're here this morning. 
Your feelings are why you're sitting in my office because your feelings have led you astray and it's caused problems in your relationship. It's caused problems in your life because of decisions we made. I promise you this. If you make every decision you ever make according to that book, you'll never see me in my office. Why? You'll never have time because you'll be out fulfilling a full life because it's all there. Let's do the checklist. Whosoever cometh to me. Y'all here this morning, check. And heareth my words. Y'all listening, check. Now. Now. The secret. And doeth them. I've got some medicine in my truck. Sitting right on my, right on my armrest. My sister got in my truck yesterday. She said, you take that? No. Why didn't you take it? You're supposed to take it. You need to take it. I know. Y'all can laugh, but some of y'all do it every week. And wonder why I'm having so many problems. Well, I tell you what. I don't need this. I don't. Yeah, okay. I've heard it a million times. Listen, the life without Christ always leads to the same destination. Because you're not going to follow but two people. You're going to follow God or you're going to follow Satan. There's only two. There's no neutral ground. There's no in-between. Well, I'm just not going to follow anybody. No, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is, uh, uh, the thief cometh but to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his plan. That's what he's all about. He's after you. And the deal is, if we don't follow those directions, if we don't take the time to stop, he's inviting us. Come hear what I got to say. My words, according to Scripture, the Bible says his words are life. Life. I'm being overly simplified this morning because we are making this thing way too complicated. Come, hear, do. Say that with me. Come, hear, do. You know, I read a verse this week that is so eye-opening. Can you put... Can you put Ezekiel 33? It was in point number one. Ezekiel 33. Watch what, watch what the American church has become. Scott, watch this right here. This is, I'm telling you, I, it's just like, wow. And they come unto thee as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not... For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. In other words, their heart goeth after what their fleshly desires are. And by the way, there's nothing good about our flesh. There's nothing good about the old nature. There's nothing good about the old man. I've got a part of me that's wicked, wicked, wicked. Paul said it this way, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver us from this? 
And there's, there's a part of me that I've got to keep in check. There's a part of me that I've got to get a hold of. Paul said, Paul said this, I, I've got to crucify the flesh. I've got to get it under subjection. I've got to get it under control because it's like a rabid animal. If it gets loose, it's going to destroy. And you have it too. The moment you got saved, God didn't take all those old desires away. God didn't take and remove all of that. He put new ones in there. And listen... We Put that verse back up there. Put that verse back up there. And we say on one hand, oh, how I love Jesus. But our direction and our desires go after the old man. Now watch. And this is why. This is why. Look at that next verse. Verse 32. And lo, here it is. Here it is. Wow. Thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice. And can play well an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. In other words, they like to come hear the speaker. They like to come and hear the songs. They like to come and experience the worship there at the tabernacle. But it was all entertainment. It was all a form of entertainment. It says it's just turned into a pleasant song. It's turned into a pleasant voice. And like somebody who has an instrument to play. In other words, in other words it's like going to a gospel concert. You can, listen, you can book a gospel concert. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of them hard-headed fundamentalists that cause people diesel sniffers and all that kind of stuff. The people that go 500 miles to go to a gospel concert, but they won't go across the street to go to church. But the point is this, you'll pack a building out. I mean, standing room only. Why? Because all it is is listening, and it's pleasant, and it's encouraging, and it's exhorting. Now, I have no issue with that. I love that. I love that. But I'm telling you, if that's all you ever do, and you don't go to church... And listen, not just go to church, but when you hear and you don't go do, you've done nothing more than been entertained for a day. Because church is not supposed to tickle your ear. Church is not supposed to, listen, it's not supposed to entertain you and, and give you a feel-good moment. Oh, I just feel so good when I leave. Now, that's okay. That's, that's all right. But let me tell you, are you being changed And you could have a soccer game and gather a crowd. It's not about getting a crowd. Listen, if it was about getting a crowd, I wouldn't preach like I do. Because a lot of people can't handle this. They don't want to be changed. They don't want to be different. They don't want to feel conviction. That's why they are flocking to churches that will not preach against sin, that will not preach about responsibility and accountability. They won't preach about judgment to come. And they are flocking to churches like that because they want to live the life that they want to live, yet they want to come and have a feel-good feeling. Well, there's only one problem with that. That road leads to hell. I don't want to come. I don't want to come just to feel good. I felt pretty good at the football game. I was screaming and hollering, boo! That's why I talk like this right now. I preached a revival all week long. I <laughs> stood up at the football game and said, the preacher's booing. So was the Lord. He saw it too, Amen. 
Man, I feel good doing it. I, I feel good hanging out with my buddies. I feel, I get a good feeling when I, I go out with Chris and, 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 and Scott and different ones. And hey, man, that's great. I feel good when I go with my buddies going golfing. That's great. But that didn't make me a better daddy. Being at the football game didn't make me a better husband. Going to a gospel scene didn't make me a better preacher. It encouraged me, and, 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 and please don't leave and, and read into something that I'm not saying. I'm not saying there's not a place for all that. Man, I, I love those kind of things. But if all we're doing is hearing, and we're not doing, then it's just become a pleasant song. How many of us come every week to hear a pleasant song, to have a feel-good moment, and then go back to the same mess that we left, and we're no different than when we came? God is called disciples. God wants us to be disciples. We're the salt of the earth. Do y'all get that? We're the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. How many of y'all know it's dark out there? And it's getting darker by the moment. It is getting more wicked by the moment. It is getting more anti-Christ by the moment. And the darker it gets out there, the more they need the light. And I'm telling you, the light is getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer because we're coming and we're flattering God with our lips. But that our heart is far from Him. Listen, I think we need to change the scorecard. It's not about how many showing up here. It's how many's living Christ out there. It's a number three. Number three. What was number one? Tell me number one again. All right, let's try it all at one time. Number one. The Inquisition he demands. Why I call you me Lord, Lord? Why are you going to say I'm your Lord? Why are you going to say I'm your... I'm your leader. I'm your authority if you're not going to do what I say. Then the invitation he delivers. He invites us to listen to his instructions and live out his instructions. James said it this. We are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Number three, he gives us an illustration. Jesus is about, he's a great communicator. He always used stories and pictures to illustrate what it's all about. Man, he's an awesome communicator. And then he said, let me tell you what it's all about. Ladies and gentlemen, let me explain to you what I'm trying to say. There are those who will hear my word and do it. Then those that will hear but will not do. Now let me see if I can describe in a way and show you how important it is to hear and to do, not just to hear. He says that one that will hear, he will hear and do. This is what he's like. He draws a picture. He said, he is like a man who will dig down deep and place the foundation on a rock, a stable foundation, and builds his house on a rock. And when the floods came, it beat vehemently against the house, but it did not move because it was on a rock. He said, but the other who won't do what I say, who likes the form of entertainment but does not want to be edified, does not want to be exhorted. Just make me feel good, but don't make me change my ways. Don't make me change my habits. Don't let me deal. Don't make me deal with my sin. Just let me have a feel-good moment. He's like a man who will build the house, and when the stream beat vehemently, the Bible says, "Great was the ruin of that house." Now, there's three things in this illustration I want you to see. Three things. 
The first thing is a coming storm. A coming storm. Scott, he didn't say if the flood came. He said when the flood came. Now, this is where God began to work in my mind why this has to do with life groups. Because I promise you this, ladies and gentlemen, the storm's going to come. I've met with people this week weeping and crying because the storm has come. I've met with people all through my life in the ministry who were broken because the storm had come. And I have met with people who had tears in their eyes. But Brother, Brother Dave, they had, a, they had a backbone that stood strong. Why? Because they were doers of the word and not hearers only. They were not casual Christians. And because of that, they had a solid foundation. Because of that, they came through the storm. Yes, the wind blew. Yes, the rain fell. Yes, the lightning flashed. Yes, the thunder rolled. But God gave them strength in the midst of their sorrow. And the storm's coming. I am not in a storm. Well, you better batten down the hatches because one's on the way. Not only do I see a coming storm, B, I see a confident stability. A confident stability. I love the way that, that verse describes it. It could not, what? Shake it. It could not shake it. Why? For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did be, beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. I put lastly a catastrophic shame I was looking for an S word to alliterate what I was trying to say. And the reason I alliterate it, it's easy for me to remember. It's easier for you to remember. Because I want you to leave remembering what you hear. And God led me to that word shame. I was looking for something that went with destruction, devastation. But God wouldn't let me use that. He said, I want you to put the word shame. I want you to put the word shame. And the reason being is this. If our house becomes ruined, it is a shame because it did not have to be that way. Because if you notice, if you notice, both people heard. One was not taken by surprise. They both heard. They both heard. Say that with me. They both heard heard. One acted on it. The other didn't. In other words, this was, this was avoidable. This did not have to happen. That's why it is a catastrophic, help me, shame. I was watching Fox News. How many of y'all been watching the coverage of Irene? I seen the saddest thing the saddest thing, y'all may have saw it. I believe it was Fox News. See, one of them was interviewing a guy who was trying to build up all around his little, his little cottage. He'd only been there, I think, three years. And they just got the cottage built, just got the cottage the way it needed to be. And here comes a hurricane. So, well, that's no big deal. 
It is a big deal. Because there was a hiccup in the insurance, and at that moment, he had no insurance. And I mean, he's working feverishly. He's putting sandbags out. And you could see the fear in his eyes. And if it did what they said it was going to do, and it probably did, he was going to lose everything. And as this guy is interviewing him, I could not help but to think of this. One catastrophic shame, because it was avoidable. One mistake, one errant whatever, he explained what the deal was, but it was basically his fault. And he had no insurance. And I mean, this was a baby doll house. It was so pretty, you can't even imagine. And he was fixing to lose it all. Here's the point. If we don't learn to come to God's house and receive what we get from God's word and then go do it. God doesn't tell me to preach on forgiveness for you to hold on to a grudge. Now I need everybody to pay close attention because I'm losing my voice. And I probably should take a break today, but I need you to hear what I got to say today. So please give me that respect. God doesn't tell me to come and preach on forgiveness for you to hold on to a grudge. God doesn't tell me to preach on faithfulness for you to be unfaithful. God gives me what you need to hear. And as I deliver it, God expects us, not just you, us to act upon it. Now, I've done both. I've done both. Brother Scott, I've, I've done the hearing and not the doing, haven't you? I've done that. And it always led to the same thing. A catastrophic shame. Now listen, I want to talk to you from my heart just a moment. A couple years ago, a couple years ago, God determined to bless Temple Baptist Church. And man, did he. But before he did, he began to put in my heart, he began to put in my heart that we needed to change some things. We needed to adjust some ministries. We needed to adjust some schedules. And the reason being is he knew what I didn't know. How many of, ever, how many of y'all, God's told you something to do something, and you really didn't want to do what he told you to do? rest of you lying. I said, God, I don't want to do that. I'm tired enough preaching one time. I don't want to have to do it twice in 30 minutes. God, I, I, you know, I kind of, Sunday school, I, that's, my, that's my deal. And, and God, you see, he knew what was coming. We didn't. And God will always make you adjust for the coming harvest. And those who will not adjust, those who are too stubborn to adjust, those who will not do what God tells them to do, they always miss the harvest. Because if you don't learn to adjust to the things that God tells you to do, you're going to miss the blessing He has for you in front of it. And God began to tell me, so I begin to tell you, some received, some rebuked, some rejected. Some left. 
I just don't think that. I don't think that. I was told this. I was told this. God is my witness. I was told this. Well, when it don't work, you can't blame us. I said, that's wonderful. I said, why? Why? They asked me that. Why? He said, I said, because it's going to work. Why would God tell me to do it if it ain't going to work? And you know what? Ever since then, we've, we've gone from about 375 in regular attendance to upwards to 1,000. You know why? Because God's always right. But here's the deal. If we would have stayed in an old format, if we would have stayed in an old way of doing things, in an, in an old time schedule and all that, we would have never been able to reach who we've been able to reach without it. Now, I didn't know that then. I just knew God was telling me to do something. When Abraham got up, when Abraham got up from his house, God said, get up and go to the place I'm going to show you. He didn't leave a GPS map in front of him and said, all right, this is where you're at. This is where you're going. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm going to have, I'm going to have all the... He didn't do all of that. He just said, take my faith and go do what I tell you to do. And man, what, a, what an inheritance that Abraham has today. Because he was willing to do what God said to do. Now, here's the deal. We do three things here. If you're new today, if you're a first-time attender, it's very simple around Temple Baptist Church. We believe that God wants us to make disciples, that God wants us to develop disciples. And disciples do three things. Number one, the Bible says, what is the greatest commandment? You remember that word commandment again? He has a right because he's Lord. He can give us a commandment. He said, they asked him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. So we believe we need to love God. How many of y'all believe we need to love God? So it is my responsibility as a pastor to create an atmosphere where you can come and love God, where you can come and praise, where you can come and worship, where you can come and feel his presence. And I'm telling you, I thank God for a place where God shows up on a regular basis where you can feel the presence of God and you can know that he is here. I need a witness right there. And thank God for the choir. The musicians and, listen, those that, that create, help create an atmosphere of worship. And we do that every week. And we have created an atmosphere where we can love God. But in that same chapter, in those same verses, the Bible says the second command is like the first. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, what does that mean? That means a disciple loves God, and we've created an atmosphere so we can love God. Then the, a disciple is one that loves others. So I, as a leader, I, as the pastor, it's my responsibility to help create an atmosphere where you can help love your neighbor, help love one another. Now, watch what, watch what one another's. How many of y'all believe that God is Lord? Come on. How many of y'all believe God's Lord? Amen. How many of y'all believe he, he, he has a right to give us a commandment? Amen. Let me give you a few of them. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Romans 15.7, wherefore receive ye one another. 15.12, Romans 15.12, he said to admonish one another. Now Romans 16, 16 says, Salute one another with a holy kiss. 
a holy hugs all you getting from me. Amen. Um, Second Corinthians thirteen twelve. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Paul was all about that, wasn't he? Amen. Galatians five thirteen. For brethren, ye have been called, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, what? Serve one another. Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Ephesians 4, 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Those are all commands. Those are all responsibilities we have. Now, it is my responsibility to lead you. It is my responsibility to lead and feed, to tell you what God says, to give you the direction He wants us to go. I am the under-shepherd under the great and chief shepherd. Amen? Listen, as my responsibility is to tell you this is what God said, this is the direction we're going. And God is saying this morning, why? I call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. You see, I believe every Christian should be in a life group. I believe every single Christian needs to be in a life group. Not just needs to be in a life group, should be in a life group. Why? Because God has commanded us to love one another. Well, I'm nice to everybody around me. That's not enough. It's not enough. Listen, you need to be in a life group, and I need you in a life group, and this is why. This is why. This is, this is a picture I need you to see. This is a picture I need you to see. I, I, uh, God has blessed our church immensely. And God expects the church to care for the church. How many of y'all believe that? I just showed all to one another's right there. Now here's the deal. Right now we have we have approximately a little over a thousand attenders every week. Some some regular, some casual, some sometimes, but over a thousand. Over a thousand. We've got the names. There's more on the roll, but over a thousand attenders every week. Scott, come up here. All right. Scott represents the thousand people that come regular. All right, hold that up so everybody can see that. Now, uh, how many of y'all believe those thousand people expect to be cared for? Come on, be honest. They expect to be cared for. All right. Uh, 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 Brother Chad, won't you come up here? How many of y'all, let's just say, let's just say those thousand attenders, all of them have, have uh, uh, one grandparent. Is that legitimate? Most of them have... T- Maybe four, but at least all of them have one grandparent. How many of y'all believe that? All right. Now, that's 2,000 people the church has got to take care of. What if they all had, I made my list here. Let me, let me see, I don't forget. What if they all had one aunt? Is that legitimate? One aunt. Some of them got, I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of aunts. Well, let's just say they all had one when you average it all out. Brother, Brother Kendrick, won't you come up here? Let's say they all had, they all had one aunt. All right, all right, and see, we, we expect the church to take care of our relatives. Brother Chris O'Neill, what if they all had one uncle? How many of y'all got an uncle in here? Raise your hand if you got an uncle in here. All right, how many of y'all got more than one uncle? 
How many of y'all got more than two? Uh-huh, see there, see, about average it out. That's about out. All right. How many of y'all got a cousin? Anybody got a cousin in here? Raise your hand high. Come on, raise your hand. Get with me. All right, Izzy, come on up here. Got a, got a thousand cousins. We're just going to say one, not, not more than one. We're just going to say one. We're going to say one. All right. Got a brother, got a uncle, got a cousin. Lord, I got a half a dozen. Amen. All right. How many of y'all got a friend in here? How many of y'all need one? Amen. I need one right now. Amen. All right. Brother Joe, won't you come up here? Everybody's got a friend, they said. Everybody's got a friend. Joe, you got a friend. Amen. You got a friend in me. All right. All right. How many of y'all got a brother? Anybody got a brother in here? How many of y'all got more than one brother? So it about equal out. So let's say everybody got a... Gabe, won't you come up here? You got a, you got a, you got a brother? You got a brother, don't you? All right. Come, boy, you look pretty today. I tell you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, look good. All right. All right, sister. Anybody got a sister here? Dave, won't you come on up here? You honorary scoundrel. Come on up here. You'll cover the, the sister. We've got a thousand sisters in. All right. All right. Let's see who else who else we got here. Make sure we got all right. How many of y'all let's now 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 uh uh everybody ever not everybody has a child, but some have more than one. I got a whole litter myself, amen. I got four of them. So uh, if we'll all equal out, we could say about all had one child. So so let's uh who do I got here? All right, come on, brother Chris. Come on up here. All right. Come on up here, real quickly here. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's see, all right. What I start with? Which one was you? The grandparent? No, you're the attenders. You're the thousand attenders. All right, we got a thousand attenders. Got a thousand attenders. Got a grandparent. What's you, Julio? A uncle, an aunt, a cousin. Cousin. Brother? What are you? Friend? You got a friend? All right. Friend? What are you? Brother? Sister? Child? And a parent. All right. All right. Lord have mercy. Come on, yeah, come on, come on, quick. Act like somebody, get on up here. All right. All right, now let's see. Okay, people come because they want to have their needs met. They want to come because they believe the church has a responsibility to take care of them. So, all right, we got a thousand attenders coming, regular, some not regular, ever, and they've got, all right, so let's count them up. Now, we all got them, right? We got aunts and uncles and cousins and sisters and all. Because we want them to be taken care of. They get sick in the hospital, somebody got to go see them. So how many we got? We got? Thousand. Come on, y'all. We have... 10,000 people the church has to take care of now? And let me translate that. Preacher, you need to go see these people. 
You say, oh, that's silly. That's why preachers are committing suicide. And 1,400 are leaving the ministry every single month. Well, I tell you, in my church, pastor always took care of everybody. That's because he only had 50. Now, I'm not trying to be facetious. It's just every week I'll get a call, preacher, you need to slow down. You're killing yourself. You need to slow down. And then I'll get another phone call. Well, why didn't you go see so-and-so? They've been in there for three days. And you know what? I had no idea. Because, see, I'm not psychic. I'm not. I, 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 I don't know, and I, I don't always know. But I get people get upset at me because I didn't go see so-and-so. Now, here's, here's a problem. That's 10,000 people that Temple's responsible for. It'll never happen with me. I can't. I'm just telling you, I can't. And there are preachers all over the country quitting because they can't keep up with the expectations of people who are living wrong according to the Bible. But I guarantee you this, if all thousand of those people are in a life group, that life group can take care of this with no problem. One life group... Last, I think it was last week, Brother Travis was telling me about it. Last week or the week before, a family had an issue and they had to fix up a, 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 a dwelling. And the whole life group jumped in there and got two weeks' worth of work done in one day because they had a need. That's what the body of Christ does. One another, prefer one another, love one another, care for one another. He doesn't say, preacher, do everything. He can't. He's bottlenecked. See, most churches are that one size because over time, expectations have missed the mark. And churches are bottlenecked at the time and the energy and the ability of the pastor. And most churches only grow to what that pastor has the time and ability to do, and then it stops. But guys, we can't stop because we're running out of time. And this country is full of lost people that if we don't reach them, they're going to go to hell. So we got to keep growing. But the way we sustain that growth, and God knew it. That's why he wanted to change our format. God knew that one day we was going to have this many people to be responsible for. And he knew if you don't change something, you'll never be able to do it. So you see, it's not just a fancy new program. It's the way that God has given us to keep growing and to keep reaching people and helping people. And so... Don't get upset at the church if something slips through the cracks if you're not in a life group. Because it's not the church's fault. It will be your fault. Because God has given us a tool. God has given us a tool to meet these needs. But it won't work unless you take advantage of it. Well, I just don't like this. Well, let me encourage you to do this. Find you a place that you can have confidence in. And if it's, if it's a church of 50 people where one man can take care of everything, do what you have to do. But I'm telling you, if we're going to keep growing, if we're going to keep reaching people, if we're going to keep seeing people saved, this is how we got to do it. Because there's no way. You say, well, what about staff? What if we add staff? If you add five staff people this week, that's still impossible. You can't hire enough staff to make this happen. Boy, we can band together, can't we? 
We can get together and take care of them. Church, let's give God praise and glory. Let's give him praise. Give him a hand. Just, just set that on that pew. Every head.